Hey there, spooky friends. Welcome back to the Scarish Podcast. I, I'm Robin Grace, this is Adam Diaz. Hello. And we're back after having a nice and very much needed break. I uh, hope everybody had like a nice holiday season. I know uh, out here, you know, we celebrate Christmas, but whatever you folks celebrate, whatever you folks celebrate it. Um, I'm, I mean, it, it is a new year, though. Everyone celebrated a new year. Indeed Happy New is. Year. Uh, this is our first episode of 2023. I can't believe it's 2023. That happened quick. Uh, yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, it's been uh, three days. In fact, we're recording this at 11.55 p.m. local time, so almost three full days. And I got to say, kind of a crazy year so far. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. So definitely some shit has popped off. Uh, in fact, that's kind of inspired my topic uh, for this evening. So, yeah, hopefully 2023 gets its shit together and gets itself turned around. Yeah. <laughs> but the nice thing about the year starting is it's the event that we've all been waiting for. January Patreon push! That's right, folks. It is the annual month where I talk to you about the fact that you can go to patreon.com slash podcast. Sign up for one of our many tiers of donations. They occur monthly, and it's a way that you can support this podcast to make sure that we stick around, and it really does help us with things that are involved with running a podcast, like podcasting fees when it comes to hosting, all the stuff that we have, uh, all the different equipment that we have to maintain in case something goes wrong, uh, the different things that come along when it comes to merchandise and you know fulfilling those Patreon tiers. We do ship stuff out, so a lot of that stuff is directed right back into the podcast. We buy stuff that Robin designs, turn it into some fancy keychain or magnet or something like that, and ship it out to you wonderful folks. So it is a great thing to sign up for. There's different levels of rewards, early access, no advertisements. Sometimes you use shout-out tiers like we're going to do right now for Carl and Ethan. Thank you both so much for being our Patreons at the shout-out tier or above. We sincerely appreciate the support that you give us. It really does help us get this show rolling, and uh, it keeps us going, and it's amazing. So if you would like to join... Uh, the wonderful patrons over at patreon.com slash scarish podcast. Now is the time to head over. You can join for as little as one dollar. And I think this is the year that I finally get that echoey background sound effect because I figured out how to do it in Reaper. So if you heard <laughs> that and you're like, that sounded really good, Adam, give me a dollar. Go to go to patreon.com slash scarish podcast. Just sign up for one month. Give us a dollar. If we get to 150 patrons, we're going to go to the Stanley Hotel. We're still reaching for that rainbow, y'all. We've had that goal for a long time. We're really hoping to get there this year. So it would be awesome if we could do it. Help us make this January the best January Patreon push of all time. But yeah, exciting stuff. Robin, how's your 2023 been so far? Uh, 2023 has been, you know, us taking a break. And uh, today was my first day back at work. Same. So getting into the swing of things again. And uh, yeah, I, it's hard to kind of get back into that motivated mindset. But then when everyone's like, you got all this stuff you got to do, you're like, yeah. just jumping back into it. Right. Um, but other than that, you know, lots of stuff going on. <laughs> yeah, I will lots say. Of, lots of injuries this year. I had a longer vacation than you did. You got, I think, a five day weekend, four or five day weekend. I got a four day week. Uh, 40 weekend yeah. and between christmas and new year's you had to work i was off from the 23rd until today until the third so that was nice however i did have to rent a second moving truck go back to las vegas pack up the rest of the stuff pack the moving truck drive it back out here to california and unload that thing so my my vacation really didn't start until i'd say friday 
that was the first day where it's like, okay, I don't feel like there's anything waiting back in Las Vegas for us to grab and bring out here. So it has been a hell of a last few weeks. Yeah. I'm happy that we're settled. We are recording in our office with furniture in it this time. We don't have any of that wonderful sound padding on the walls yet, but uh, little by little, the uh, house is filling out and it's really nice to see. So we, I think two days ago, January 1st, I'm pretty sure we were just like, let's just lay here and do nothing. No unpacking, none of that shit, no errands. Like, we're just going to relax. And that was so very, very needed. So, yeah. 100% 2023 has uh, already started off with a bang, but right on. All right. That's how we've been. We hope you folks have been good. We know what you're all here for. You want to hear some scary ish topics. So, Robin, I will turn it over to you. I think you're going first with our first topic of 2023. So, take it away. All right. So, my first topic of 2023. Um, begins with kind of something that if you know us you probably already know that London is one of the places that I really want to go to at least uh once in my lifetime I don't know about you yeah <laughs> in it's, your lifetime. it's in fact the next place I would like to go even though I know we're going to go to Japan a second time maybe before we go to London for I don't the first know time. we'll see but uh there are a lot of historic monuments there's a lot of tourist destinations uh, I over uh, overall, I I want to experience like the London vibes, you know. The London vibes, um, but it's a big stop for me. And uh, one of the things that I really wanted to go see is King's Cross Station. I think it's one of the more famous stops that people go to. Um, and one of the things that I didn't know that I'd probably want to spend some time checking out would be the London Underground, which is their railway station. Um, also known as just the underground or the tube. You've probably heard of the tube. I have heard of the tube. Um, Is this the place that I've heard people mysteriously go missing between platform nine and 10 at what some folks call platform nine and three quarters? You mean folks at, at King, King's Cross Station? Is that where that takes place? Uh, yeah. Wow. Knew it. Yeah. Hashtag nailed it. Um, I know I've covered trains. I, I've covered train stations before. Um, but I didn't know how much history there was with this particular railway system. Um, and it's really, I think it's really interesting. And there are a lot of things that I had no idea about when it comes to this pretty well-known railway system. So, uh, hopefully you guys find it interesting. Uh, maybe I'm like, uh, what's his name from Big Bang Theory who likes trains? (laughs) Uh, Adam's like I've never seen that show. I don't oh, know. Oh no, I've watched multiple about. seasons of it. I was just waiting um, to see if you would know the name. No, my brain. Sheldon. Yeah, Sheldon. Okay, cool. Sheldon loves trains, but I keep covering trains. I don't know why. I just keep going back to it, okay. and I really want to take an Amtrak, but it's so expensive. It is shockingly expensive for such a small, small room. Right. Uh, okay, so there's something to be said about nerd stereotypes and liking trains because Sheldon does. And then on Brooklyn Nine-Nine, Captain Holt is also a huge fan of trains. What's so, wrong with liking trains? I like trains, too. Oh, my God. Holy shit. It's not even a stereotype. I'm a nerd, <laughs> so there you go. Okay, so the creation of the first tunnels dates back to the 19th century, uh, which is like the 1800s. And uh, that, to me, seems like both not too long ago and a fairly long time ago. But time is passing by so quickly um, I don't know. It it just the 1850 whatever 1900s really that wasn't that long ago, um, compared to all the stuff that's gone on in history. Relatively but, speaking, right. sure. Um, but it's this railway system's actually been studied by academics, 
as it is one of the largest, oldest, and most used systems of public transit in the world. Um, and it really makes me wonder how efficient it is because we've never been, um, but we've been to Japan where their public transit, like their rail system was just so convenient. Superb. Absolutely. Like everything was always on time. Uh, a and cut above the rest, I would say. Yeah. I'm really curious how the, the tube would be, how, uh, taking that London underground would, it would be. It would be less likely that I would be the tallest person. Like I was in Japan, <laughs> everywhere. And every car we were in, I'm pretty sure I was at least the top three, in most cases, the tallest person in all of those. So oh, that, yeah. That was pretty sweet. Uh, I remember Adam almost getting lost because I walked away. <laughs> she walked out and she zigzagged between a crowd of people. And that crowd of people kind of like pushed me back into the train for a minute. And I was just like, now I need to be mean. And I bumped these people out of the way. And then I got like onto the platform and Robin was gone. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, she left me. And then she came back for me. So I was almost, almost a lost child screaming <laughs> for an adult. Uh, well, so these first tunnels, the first tunnels created for the system were actually just barely underground. So it was more like a trench and then cover system. So they made this, they dug it up and then put whatever um, you know, tunnel or whatever underground and then covered it. And then later on, they actually made these circular tunnels underground, which kind of gave this the nickname the of tube. the tube. Gotcha. Um, but actually, in this uh, underground, a only a little under 50% of all these stations and, and railways and everything are actually underground. Um, but it's just called the underground. It's pretty interesting. Um, which I guess is weird. Some people are probably like, okay. We have different um, interpretations of the word interesting, but I'm happy you're happy. If you've been interested in the world of ghosts and hauntings and poltergeists, you're probably familiar with the theory that construction, renovation, things that kind of kick up dirt, dust, debris, they also stir up spirits. So there were thoughts at the proposal of the London Underground that weren't too far from this. So there were people that had fears um, that some of this digging deep into the earth, tunneling into the earth, would actually wake awake some sort of evil or demon or like things the like that. Don't <laughs> want to fuck around with digging too deep. We all know that. Okay. Supposedly, um, and that's a strong supposedly because I'm not sure how much of this is true, but supposedly some of the lines and stations that were built were actually built through ancient burial grounds, which we'll get to. Um, Aldgate Station is supposed to be one of these such sites where it's said that 4,000 people were found that had succumbed to the Black Death. So um, they found all these bodies. An archaeological dig of the station in 2005 revealed approximately 238 burials. Um, many of these bodies had been sliced through during construction. Ew. Um, and there have been so many hauntings that have been recorded at this station that they've actually been officially recorded in workers' record books. Um, that some say is even called like a ghost log wow. book. Um, <laughs> and things like the sound of ghostly footsteps or other strange occurrences that have happened at the station get logged in there. Um, 
And I don't know about you, but if I worked there, I'd probably be like, no, nah, I'm good. <laughs> like my first week of training, if something weird happened, I'd be like, I'm out. I'm good. Thanks. Um, one of the most famous hauntings at this station revolve around an instance where one of the station workers actually slipped and fell onto the electrified tracks. That sucks. So despite the fact that he had 20,000 volts of electricity go through him, he survived only coming away with some serious bruising. Wow. Now, what makes it weird is that his colleagues reported having seen a ghostly old woman kneel beside him and stroke his hair just moments before he fell onto the electrified rail. So some sources say before he fell onto the rail. Some sources say after he fell onto the rail, she was there while he was laying there unconscious. I was going to say, kneeling next to him seems um, like something you would do after someone falls, not before. I thought it was going to be either a ghost pushed him or a ghost pulled yeah, him Yeah, so on. it depends on who's writing the article, right? Um, but depending on whichever iteration you you have written or you heard, she's possibly good or absolutely terrifying. <laughs> um, but I'm hoping... No she, in between. <laughs> I'm hoping she was the reason that he actually survived the incident. And right. He, she was kind of there to comfort him during that. And um, she's been known as like the elderly angel uh, of that station. And I'm, I don't know. I think that's kind of cool. I don't know why she's there or who she is, but however... She got there. She's there. I like to think it's Patrick Swayze, but it's apparently an elderly lady, so that doesn't quite match. I mean, with his hair, you never know. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and cross my fingers that it was a benevolent presence. I'm going to always cross my fingers for benevolence in these cases, so... Hopefully that uh, that's what the ghost is and not something that was, you know, shoving people onto the train tracks. <laughs> uh, what if there is, though? What if there's someone who shoves people? It's fucked up. And then she's the person who's like, it's okay, bro. I got you. You know? So you think there's two then? What if there was? Hmm. You never know. Interesting. We'll have to visit. All right. So there's um, the Bethnal Green Station, uh, which is another station that's haunted by a tragedy and has its fair share of ghosts. So during World War II... On the night of March 3rd, 1943, London was in a blackout and had sirens going off. Um, Air raid sirens, World War II, you know, that was bound to happen. The people in the area ran for cover, and these underground railway stations were used as air raid shelters. And back then, the government actually had all these advertisements and things like that stating, you know, these underground places were safe for you to be during these And um, there were supposedly already 500 people down in that station when approximately 1,500 more were rushing down the stairs into the dark tunnels below. So um, it was really dimly lit. It wasn't wasn't easy to navigate. Why didn't they just use their cell phones? I mean, that's like (laughs) the best, most convenient flashlight you could have. People were slipping and falling over one another. And people were getting absolutely crushed. So 173 people died during this event. Uh, 27 men, 84 women, and 62 children died. Wow. And at the time, supposedly, the government covered it up and said that what had happened was there was an actual bomb that was reported that scared people so much that they started running. Um, the siren that night that was going off was supposedly, supposedly, a test. So these people were rushing and scared. And um, I think hopefully it wasn't. And it was like something that needed to happen, you know. But if it was a test, that 
freaking sucks. <laughs> it was a test. They definitely failed. Uh, eventually, um, all too late, of course, a handrail was added to the stairway, uh, as well as proper lighting to prevent an incident like this from happening again, which is nice. They also have like a, um, a memorial for it. It's really cool looking, actually. Uh, maybe we'll post that or something to Instagram. I got to pick a bunch of pictures. Um, when we do our topics, we're each supposed to pick four pictures so that we can have four for me, four for Robin, and then one is the title card. And at the beginning of each day when the episode comes out, I'm always like, where the fuck are your pictures, Robin? <laughs> so I really hope you pick them. Um, all right. So workers that are left alone at night at the station have reported hearing the cries of women and children in this station. Uh, one worker got so scared that he ran attempting to get away from the ghostly sounds. Despite the many reports of screams, there still have no have, there have been no figures that have been reported hmm. to have been seen. So just ghost sounds. Um, yeah, so just these, these screams and cries. <laughs> Those are horrifying. Uh, I would definitely run, considering how some of these instances have been described. So there was one such description saying that the sound kind of begins as the general sound of crying and panic, and it's really quiet at first, but then it grows and it grows and it grows into this loud group of shouting and crying, kind of like if somebody were rushing down the stairs, right? Right. Um, and it grows to the point where it's enough so that anyone would be left terrified. Um, I mean, Adam showed me a video, I think yesterday yeah, I was or say, something. The with, stairs video. Where something like a ghost running up the stairs. There's like this really loud sound coming from the bottom of a staircase. It looks like it's a house that's like a tri level. But it's like a split level more like it because there's no middle level where mm -hmm. like you walk into the door and there's a like staircase to the basement and a staircase to the upstairs. These folks are in the upstairs. They turn on the light for their staircase and the guy's like looking down the basement where it's super dark and it just sounds like there's a bunch of noise happening. He's like, hello. And then it stops. And I think like that takes, scared me the he most. He takes a couple steps down and then it sounds like someone is sprinting up the stairs at him, but there's nothing there. And he's like, what the fuck? And then the video cuts out because it's probably fake, but... It was, it, was scary. it was definitely creepy. They did it very well if it was fake. And if it wasn't fake, they should move the fuck out of yeah. that place for sure. Um, all right. Continuing on. So there's one station that I see referenced a lot. And that is uh, the, Liver the Liverpool Street Underground Station. So in 2000, a man in white overalls. I think I might have covered this before. But a man in white overalls was seen on cctv standing on the platform as if waiting for a train to arrive um this is after the station had already been closed to the public so there shouldn't be anyone there on the platform when a station worker then goes to check and make sure that everyone's cleared from the station he finds that there isn't anyone there and this is all happening while there is another colleague up watching the cctv so this, there's another person watching the CCTV. He's watching this guy down on the platform trying to find this guy in white overalls. But on the CCTV, the entire time this person is searching, the guy in white overalls is on the CCTV, standing there. So he's like invisible for the person that's on the platform. Yes. But on the TV, you can see where he's at. Yeah. That's fucking creepy. Yeah. So while he's searching, he doesn't see anybody. But this guy on the CCTV is standing right there. You know what it could have been? Smudge on a lens. Smudge on a lens. Uh, so when he returns to the CCTV room, he reports, um, he, he gets told, you know, this is what I see on the CCTV. 
this is what's going on. And he's like, there's no one down there. I don't see anyone down there. So when he's told that, he goes back down to check only for there to be nothing. So he goes down there. There's no one there. And as he's preparing to head back to the room, he finds a pair of white overalls on the bench. That's creepy. Uh, I don't know if that's so much creepy or if there was some guy there who was like, I'm going to take my clothes off. I'm going to leave my white overalls right here. He would have seen them in that first instance of the story, though. Maybe. Or maybe he just missed them. Who knows? I don't remember you covering that in the past. Okay. Yeah, that one's creepy as fuck. Yeah. Um, I mean, to me, it could be someone who's just weird and kinky and wants to get naked on the subway, right? On the railway. he should have seen him when he was investigating if he was right there. Who knows? Maybe maybe he was in on it with the guy and they wanted to create a ghost story. That could be. Um, but who knows? Um, others have reported seeing a man dressed in white overalls that walks up and down the platform. But again, who knows how many of these sightings are real or if it's just somebody who wants to scare people. Who knows? Yeah. Um, <laughs> what? It's like what? the fourth time you've said who knows. That's all. Uh, it's said that this station is another station that is built over a mass burial site. So while they were excavating during construction, it's estimated that eight bodies per cubic meter were discovered Jesus. in the area. That's a lot of bodies. It's a lot of bodies per <laughs> cubic meter, for sure. Uh, plague pits seem to be something that continue to be discovered by accident throughout European construction. Yeah, you're going to stumble across a few <laughs> plague pits whenever you're doing any project. Everyone knows that. Yeah, so during a 2015 excavation... The remains of over 3,000 skeletons were uncovered, um, which is absolutely horrifying. Imagine working construction and you're like, "Mm, bodies, bodies everywhere. (laughs) Uh, But uh, Imagine being the foreman of that job and coming in for work and they're like, oh, boss, we got some bad news. We found a few bodies. Oh, that sucks. How many? (laughs) 3,000. We're like, I quit. I can't take this shit anymore. Yeah, I couldn't do it. I I would be so upset. Um, All right. So a station that I was not at all expecting to be haunted is that of King's Cross Station. Oh, I 100% expected to be haunted. What? It's old. Is it? Everything in London It is looks old. new. It has the Harry Potter store there. It's because they update that shit. Even it's not old. <laughs> uh, okay. So there was apparently a fire on November 18th, 1987. Okay. And this happened when a passenger either like tossed a match or tossed a cigarette or something as he was going up the escalator. So the grease and the treads of the escalator caught fire. Oh, fuck. And within 15 minutes, the entire ticket hall was up in flames. So anybody that was down there died. So 31 people were killed and 100 people were injured. Jesus. Yeah. I feel like it couldn't have been a cigarette because Mythbusters did that thing where they tested like a pool of gasoline and flicking a cigarette into it. And it doesn't work? It didn't light. I'm not sure about like the grease for an escalator, but I would imagine that also wouldn't light. Who knows? Mythbusters, I don't know. where are you? Help me out with this one. Something set that whole thing on fire. So it was something. Obviously. Um, <laughs> but it's said that ever since then, passengers and people that work there, workers, you know, <laughs> that's what they're <laughs> called. They report seeing a well-dressed modern era young woman with brown hair who raises her arms, like reaches out her arms and cries out in anguish. And when people run to her age, she disappears. Fuck. So some believe that she is a victim of this 1987 fire. Why it would only be her, I don't know. Uh, maybe she really has some unfinished business. 
But uh, there are those that report the smell of smoke in that area where she's been seen. And in 1998, a man spotted a woman described as such. But when he went to comfort her, he passed right through her. Do you think, new year, new me, new stupid theory, do you think <laughs> okay. ghosts in cases like this where they just vanish mm-hmm. are actually people who know how to teleport? Just fucking with people. Like, they're not going to give away the fact they know how to teleport. But anytime they do, everyone's like, I just saw a ghost. So they Why would she get away scream with and look like that? So that she could teleport to fuck with people. If I could fucking teleport, one, I'd never be late anywhere. And that's a lie. I'd probably show up five minutes late everywhere I went, but five minutes late exactly. But more importantly, like, I, if I got caught, I would be like, oh, it's a spooky ghost. Like, 100%, that would be my cover for it. So, wow. Just saying. All right. Then, of course, other than these stations, there are those that were at one point part of the London Railway um, in one way or another, but then have since been left derelict and abandoned and just no longer a part of this main system. So one such station is that of Highgate Station, and it opened in 1867 and ran until 1954 when it was closed to passenger traffic. Uh, I think I may have covered Highgate Cemetery in the past, so who knows how much of the ghosts at this station who may knows? have something to do with the cemetery or something like that. Uh, the station has a, se- a history of this ghostly train that travels to and from the station. So the sounds of a train can be heard despite there being no train there. And then there was a portion of the railway that was actually taken out And even when there were no tracks, the tracks were removed, the ghostly sounds of the train did not stop. So this is a ghost train. Ghost train. Just like that guy from Vindicators, Rick and Morty. Mm -hmm. That's fucking lame. (laughs) There's another abandoned station uh, called Aldrich Station, and it was built in 1907 and ran until it was closed to passengers in 1994. And like um, Bethnal Green Station... It was used as a bomb shelter during World War II. In this station, workers that have spent time alone in the station have seen what looks to be a young woman walking the passageways in the dark. And some say that it's an actress that may have acted at the Royal Strand Theater where the station now stands. So before the station was there, there was a theater. This theater and sections of the area's slums were actually removed to make way for the station and its coinciding railway. Mm. So they took out a bunch of stuff and, you know, that's what happens, right? People tear down things to build new things. Um, but they think that this actress may have, this woman there may be an actress from that time period. Um, these days, the station is actually used for films and music videos and things like that. So a lot of, um, not maybe not a lot, but there are movies that have like uh, railway scenes and things like that that have been filmed here. So V from Vendetta or The Darkest Hour, those have scenes that have been filled in, filmed in this area. I knew V for Vendetta was going to come up at some point during this episode. <laughs> uh, all right. So the final underground station that I'll cover this episode is one that's uh, more so known as a bank for some reason. There was once a station open at the British Museum. And I guess it got the, they were like haunted tunnels that got turned into a bank at one point. Okay. But, um, as haunted tunnels will as do. As haunted tunnels do. So this station was opened in 1900 and it only ran until 1933. 
when the network changed, but there were rumors that this station kind of took on spirits from the museum that was above it. So the British Museum was once home to the mummified remains of the Egyptian princess Amun-Ra, which is so funny you're watching because mummy. I watched the mummy while I made this script. I feel um, like you didn't research this. You're just making this shit up. <laughs> so people started growing afraid of the thought that there was a mummy just above the station, and they began reporting sightings of a ghostly spirit dressed in only a loincloth and a headdress, um, which apparently is just something that mummies wear. But her screams and cries echoed down the tunnel so they would see this spirit dressed this way and she would be screaming and crying and they would hear it um and then upon the closure of the british museum this rumor of a this egyptian spirit you know walking the passageways of the station um kind of moved on to the next station nearest to this station. Interesting. Uh, which I find weird. But the I guess this the rumor that this spirit, this Egyptian spirit having been there, just gets told at, about the next station. So uh, You got to wonder in cases like that whether or not they just were like bummed that they lost the location yeah, for their haunted things. Right. They just decided to make it the new place. Like when people act like University of Minnesota, I think it is, is supposedly haunted because in exorcism of emily rose that's a university she goes to oh and they're okay. like oh yeah this is the dorm she stayed in it's like no she didn't that's about a chick named annalise something or other and she's from germany like emily rose is completely fucking made up and she never attended any university in that's the United hilarious States. uh all right so in april 1924 the globe printed a story that stated that the british museum was being sent letters and reports of people that were falling ill after visiting the princess's sarcophagus at the museum uh, one man reported experiencing like chest pain after just looking at the cover of it, like the lid of this coffin. Was right? that man Tom Cruise? No one knows because no one watched <laughs> that reboot. Because no. Oh one yeah, no, 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 no. Yeah, the mummy that I watched was not the one with Tom Cruise. It was the one with Rachel Weisz and Brendan Fraser. The yeah, the oh, masterpiece. Yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, yes, one hundred percent masterpiece. Um, so. <laughs> Rumors spread that because of the increased negative reactions to the, like, people seeing the lid on this coffin, the museum replaced it with a replica. Um, but I, I don't know how true that is. There is a coffin lid that is kept at the British Museum today, but it is not of the Princess Amun-Ra. It is, um, it has been nicknamed the Unlucky Mummy, though I don't know how unlucky it really is, but it's supposed to be for this woman whose identity is actually unknown, um, not Amun-Ra, but actually working within the temple of Amun-Ra because of the way it was like fancy and things like that. Um, but it was donated to the museum in 1889, so it could possibly be truly haunted. I don't know. Interesting. Um, but you can actually go see it. You can go to the British Museum and see it. So there's a lot of stuff we can go see. We can go see these haunted... <laughs> Railway systems. I'm Check down. out these tunnels. You can actually tour them. That's a thing you can actually do. Oh, I bet. Yeah, there's these places that will take you on tours. You can go on walking tours of the underground. That's kind of cool. Um, but it's a little little off topic here, but like every time we mention anything about like pharaohs or mummies or you know anything along those lines, I always think of the fact that the pharaohs were buried and entombed with their servants while the servants were still alive. So that they could take their servants to the afterworld where they could serve them still. And it's like, if that wasn't the shittiest job in the history of <laughs> humanity, where it's like, not only are you indentured in servitude to this one guy, 
But when he dies, you get to be entombed alive so that you can keep doing that job forever. Mm. That's fucking shitty. Yeah. I so. would I would not sign up for that. But I don't think they did either. Hard pass, man. Like, if the Pharaoh died, you're not going to find me to bury me with him. Not at all. Uh, But, yeah, that's just some of the hauntings from the London Underground. I I didn't know there were so many haunted stations. I love it. I am excited to go one day. One day. (laughs) Hopefully one day soon. Yeah. But we will see. Good stuff, Robin. That was a solid topic to start off 2023. All right, so before we get into my topic, we're going to take a quick commercial break, so we'll see you on the flip side. All right, welcome to the flip side. So, okay. uh, this week I'm going to be covering something because I basically just really want to talk about this. Um, we do supernatural stuff here on Scaryish, like Robin just did. Uh, we also do true crime. Uh, you know, sometimes we do some science stuff, like I've done like volcanoes. You know, meteors, uh, end of the world type stuff. Sometimes we do coincidences. Those are fun. Sometimes superstitions. And sometimes we just do real life stuff. And the real life stuff tends to lean more towards straight up scary rather than scaryish. So I will try to be as hilarious as possible for the rest of the episode to balance out the seriousness of the topic that I am going to cover. Uh, so please keep that in mind as I make bad jokes throughout this. But I present to you, dear listener, uh, not sure if this is the exact topic's name, but I'm calling it sports injuries. And I know you hear that and you're like, wow, what a lame fucking topic name. It kind of sounds like a Fox special from the late 90s or early 2000s because they had like world's deadliest tornadoes, and world's deadliest <laughs> hurricanes and all that stupid shit. Um, but it's something that I do find interesting, even if it is morbidly so. That said, I'm pretty sure Scaryish is like the center of morbid curiosity, so uh, I don't feel bad sharing this, and I think you guys might find this interesting, too. I mean, too. this is coming off the heels of what I mean, we just watched yesterday. That's exactly which... what I'm going to open with, so don't steal my thunder. All right, all right, got it, got it, got it. So to be clear, I don't enjoy people getting hurt. It's quite the opposite. There's nothing I hate seeing more than people getting injured, because that just absolutely sucks. Um, and this is something I mentioned before on the show. I'm a very big fan of nearly every major sport. American football, the NFL, is by far and away my favorite sport to play and watch. Obviously, I'm not an NFL player. I don't know why I wrote it that way. (laughs) But like American football versus like, you know, soccer. Um, I I love football. 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 Uh, I love American football. I always have. I was born in 1985. Uh, I was born May 11, 1985. Why are you telling everyone your birthday? What the fuck do I care? I've already told them what my birthday is a million times before on this show. This is episode 253. And then after that, the Bears went on to go 15-1 and in their season, and then they won the Super Bowl, one of the most like dominating seasons in the history of football. Like the Chicago, the 85 Bears are widely known as one of the best teams that's you know ever graced a football field. So, you know, being born around is that, that time. Is that just bias? Or is no, that it's just like, like legit. Like okay. if you debate like the best teams that ever existed, the 72 Dolphins are always number one. Undefeated. They're the only undefeated team that went on to win the championship. Wow. They had to replace their quarterback midseason because their quarterback got hurt. Still went undefeated. Still won the championship. They're a very impressive team. The only team that's ever gone undefeated uh, besides them was the Patriots, I think, in 2012, 14. I can't remember. It doesn't matter because they lost to the New York Giants in the Super Bowl. It's, this is all irrelevant. But this is just showing you the, <laughs> the depth of knowledge I have when it comes to football. Because I'm a fan of the sport. I'm not just a fan of the Bears. I'm a huge fan of the sport of, you know, American football. So I bring that up because we're covering sports injuries and I want you guys to know, you know, I, it's kind of funny because Liz, uh, Robin's sister, 
was staying here for about a week um, just during the holidays to hang out with us. And she asked Robin at some point, like, why does Adam put on football if it's not the Bears? And it's because I want to watch football. I just love football. <laughs> I, I actually kind of like watching football when it's not my team because there's not as much stress involved. Right. You know, I can just sit back and enjoy the game. Um, so last night on Monday night, uh, there was a game on Monday night football between the Cincinnati Bengals and the Buffalo Bills. Um, some of you who are familiar with sports or has been watching the news in the last 24 hours probably know what I'm about to tell you. But in the first quarter of that game, the Cincinnati quarterback named Joe Burrow, he threw a short pass to his wide receiver T Higgins, who was like cutting across the middle of the field, very short pass. And when he cut across, he was running towards the sideline. He turned the ball upfield to gain some yardage. He put his shoulder down. He was tackled by DeMar Hamlin, a second-year safety from Buffalo. It wasn't a huge hit. There was nothing notable about it. Just watching it, it was just like, okay, it's a pretty average hit for right. anything as far as tackles go. Okay, we were actually out with the JJ Obsession, and we were at uh, Conveyor Belt Hot Pot, which, which was, was really good. And uh, it was kind of cool because we got in there and the TVs were just like the DVD symbol bouncing around and you're waiting for it to bounce into the corner or whatever. And then another guy came in and he was like asking the staff like, hey, you got to put the game on. And I was like, oh, yeah, I completely forgot that Monday Night Football is on tonight. Um, And they couldn't get it on at first. And I was just like, all right, that's fine. Like, I'll catch the score later. And then, you know, he was adamant that they keep trying. So they sent a different person over to his table with a different remote and they got the game on. You know, so I like looked up and I was like, oh, cool. It's the first quarter still. And I see this play unfold and I'm like, okay, cool. And I look down and I keep eating. And then I like look back up about five minutes later because I remembered, oh, the game's still on. And when I look up, you know, there's like people hovering over someone in the center of the field, which immediately means someone got hurt. Right. And I'm like, oh, shit, I wonder who it was. So I'm like watching for a while. And then I realize like this has been going on for a little bit. The last play that got run was the first play that I saw which didn't seem notable. So I was like, I wonder who got hurt. I was thinking it must have been someone away from whatever the play was because it didn't look like anything happened in what I saw. And then, you know, the teams are all on the field out of nowhere. You know, like they're not on the sideline. You can get flagged for coming out onto the field if you're not part of like the game of play, which only allows 11 people per team. Uh, And then they are all praying. And I was like, oh, this is really bad. You know, like the whole teams don't pray unless something very bad has happened. Um, so I'm alerting Robin and it the other people. It was just crazy because there were people, the players were crying. They were upset, like visibly shaken, crying, consoling each other. So I was like, this is really bad. And like the JJ Obsession don't watch football. So I'm like explaining to them like the significance of what we're seeing because I've never really seen that. And, you know, I've seen players get taken off on stretchers. I've seen ambulances come onto fields before to take players when it's very serious. That did wind up happening. But it was just like I've never seen a team inconsolable to the point where the home team, which was the Bengals, came over to talk to the Buffalo Bills because it was their player who got hurt. And the coaches talked and the Bills went to their locker room. The game was suspended. The Bills went to their locker room. And I was just sitting there. I'm like, this game, they're not going to play this. Like, this game is going to get suspended. And, you know, just watching the whole thing unfold, you're wondering what happened. And I'm just assuming that it's an an injury to the neck. It's almost always an injury to the neck. Everyone's always afraid that it's going to be paralysis. That's where my head went. That is not what happened. Uh, DeMar Hamlin suffered cardiac arrest on the field Monday night. He's he's a 24-year-old athlete. In, you know, any other case, he would seem perfectly healthy, made a tackle, got up, looked like everything was fine, and then just collapsed. And... Cardiac arrest, for those of you who don't know, it means his heart stopped beating. 
So these guys that are friends with them, maybe not even on the same team with them from Cincinnati and the Buffalo Bills, who are all very close with him, watch their friend and teammate essentially have his heart stop and have the medical professionals from both teams run out and perform CPR. And for those of you who have never seen CPR performed on someone before, it's not what you see in the movies. They literally break your fucking rib cage so they can get your heart beating again. That's how they were able to sustain his heartbeat, and they couldn't get it back until they defibrillated him on the fucking field in front of these players. So they're basically watching someone who, if no one touches him, is dead on the field and just freaking the fuck out. And then they eventually got him into the ambulance. They did get his heart going again, thank God. They got him out of there, and then they waited a while before they announced that the game was going to be postponed. So then, you know, everyone realized there's no more game happening. The game is still, like, technically speaking, 7-3 to three in the first quarter with, like, seven minutes left to go. And there's significant, you know, more game to be played. It's never happened before. I'm 37 years old. Never seen something like this happen before. And I've seen some significant and horrific injuries. This is probably the scariest one I've ever seen. And it was on live TV. Monday Night Football is like the premier game. The game they want everyone to see that week because it's supposed to be like the two best teams in a matchup. It was very difficult to watch without a doubt. So that said, it's like we were speculating at the dinner whether or not the young man had passed away. You know, because it's just like I've never seen something like that. I'm not sure if he's able to like, you know, come back from it. What's happening? Why they're going to cancel the game. But, you know. I will say this, you know, as of recording this, he is alive. He is in critical condition. Um, He's at a local hospital in Cincinnati, even though he's from Buffalo. Um, I read about an hour ago on my phone that they tweeted out an update that he's breathing 50% on his own, 50% with the machine, which is great because he was 100%, you know, machine supported uh, up until that update. So that means he's slowly healing, which is awesome. Um, He's supposed to be this stand-up guy. Damar Hamlin uh, started a, a GoFundMe for a charity that he started called Chase and M's, which is to get toys for kids. Um, he started that on December 14th. The goal was $2,500, which it was like right around um, since he got hurt, which is around 24 hours ago. Uh, at the time I wrote this, it was at $5.9 million. So people heard about it. And everyone feels helpless when you see something like that. You know, you're powerless to help. You can't do anything. You wish you could. So I think everyone's kind of attached to this GoFundMe as a way to like, you know, have support an outpouring of somehow. support. Yeah. And so it's, you know, almost got $6 million in it now. If you want to check it out, you can go search on GoFundMe for Chase and M's and donate to it. Cause you know, it's, it's a very scary thing to see. And you know, you think football, you think concussions, you know, you think like right. all that shit. And this was absolutely not that this was just like, you know, normal play obviously played at high speed between two professional athletes, but you know, more or less looked like everything was fine. And his heart just stopped. And, you know, that's scary as shit, man. Like, one of the scariest things about getting older is addressing your mortality. And, like, all these different thoughts run through your head of, like, the ways that you could die. Some things that you've never thought of before, especially when you're younger. All of a sudden, you start thinking about, like, oh, I need to take better care of myself. And yeah. I think that's where that comes from. Seeing someone at the peak of their physical, like, abilities just drop like that is scary because it makes you realize like no matter what you do you could never tell for certain things so that said i'm gonna cover some stuff for this topic it's not all horrible and terrifying like this some of it is uh some of it's like creepy in the way that some of these things touch each other and connect and then the last thing i'm gonna i'm gonna go over is like an echo in time like robin always talks about like echoes in time where like something horrific happens and it seems to like stick with a place Mm -hmm. um 
in a creepy way that has kind of a happy ending. And I'm going to try and wrap it up on kind of the happy ending. Okay. So um, one similar occurrence that came up to me in my head when I watched that happen last night. Um, I had to look up because I was like, oh, man, I remember this happening when I was a kid. And it was so similar to this. Uh, so I'm going to talk to you guys about Hank Gathers. Hank Gathers was a forward for Loyola Marymount University's NCAA basketball team. Uh, in 1990 specifically. This dude was a beast. He was 6'7", 210. Oh, my God. So not super build at 210. You know, six, I'm fucking like 270 and I'm like 6'1". <laughs> this dude's 60 pounds lighter and 6 inches taller. But he's not a stick figure. Like, he looked like fucking an adult. His, like, he, his he's legs thick. were built. And I showed Robin some of these clips that I'm going to talk about. So this dude was 23 years old. He was a senior in college. When he was a junior the year before, he led the nation in scoring and rebounding. It's very difficult to do in two categories. And if you need an idea of who else was playing at the time, the biggest competition for scoring and rebounding for Hank Gathers was some guy who played at LSU by the name of Shaquille O'Neal, who is one of the greatest basketball players of all time. <laughs> so, I mean, Shaq, if you don't know who Shaq is, I don't know who the fuck you are, but you've been living under a rock for your whole <laughs> okay. life. So anyways, Hank was a senior in 1990. He was dominating, getting ready to go to the pros and become a fucking superstar. On December 9th, 1989, during his senior season, Hank was playing a home game against UC Santa Barbara when he suddenly collapsed. He was taken to a local hospital where he recovered really quickly, and it was found he had an abnormal heartbeat. He was given medication, and they cleared him to resume playing. He had some games where he came back, and he didn't seem like himself. He wasn't scoring a lot. He wasn't doing a lot, and he said the medication was making him play slow. He was very worried about it. There are a lot of professional athletes that don't come from wealthy means. And their athletic ability is this key to the kingdom of money to change their life, to make their lives better for themselves and their family that supported them. And it's something where they will put themselves on the line so that they can achieve that. And NCAA athletes make jack shit. They don't now because they can make money off their likeness. And that's something that's happened within the last couple of years. But in 1990... This kid was probably living off of basically like whatever his parents could afford at that time. So he gets taken to the local hospital. They clear him. He doesn't play well in his first games back. So he goes to his doctor and he says, I don't like this stuff. Whatever medicine you gave me, it's, it's disrupting my ability to play. So the doctors say, okay, we're going to reduce your dosage and we're going to gradually cut you back to less and less. And then Hank starts fucking dominating again. Just starts just destroying everyone like normal. Three months later, in February, LMU, so Loyola, uh, faces off against LSU. That's Shaq's team. So this is Hank versus Shaq. The game goes to overtime, and the final score is 148 to 141. Super high-scoring affair. LSU and Shaq took home the W. They wound up winning, but Hank finished with 48 points and 13 rebounds. He scored 48 points. Shaq scored 20. So he scored over two times what Shaq scored in that game. Uh, side note, though, I will say in Shaq's defense, he had 24 rebounds and 12 blocks. This dude got a triple-double with blocks being one of the categories. Triple-double is when you score... I was going to ask. ...in double digits means. in three categories. It's incredibly difficult to do, and people never do it with blocks. It's usually assists, points, and then another one. Shaq did it with fucking rebounds, I mean, blocks, huge. and points. He's so tall. Yeah, and he was skinny back then, too. So he he was not that he's fat now. He was super. He's you know huge. He's just a massive human being. But 
basically what was clear after this game was these two guys, Hank and Shaq, were going to go head-to-head for a long time, probably their entire careers. And college basketball is this thing where if you have a very good team, you can make it into March Madness. Everyone's heard what March Madness is. It's this giant tournament with 64 teams to determine who's the best team in the country. There's ways where if you're not a great team, you can get a seed. So like, let's say you're 30 and 0. You're obviously fucking getting in, you know? But each conference that exists within college has their own mini tournament. And some high schools do this too. And in those mini tournaments, the Western Coast, the West Coast Conference, which is what Hank's conference was, was having theirs. Whoever wins each conference's title, their little mini tournament, automatically gets a bid. So some like shithole team that's like, five and 25 somehow puts together five perfect games and wins their conference title they get to go to the the big dance they get to go to march madness which is why the conference championships are like super contested but the good teams look at that as a warm-up they want to win their conference championship because it shows they can win the bracket for them that shows that they can stand the test of like a tournament so the conference tournaments are big fucking thing So Loyola, Hank's team, is in the semifinals, which means if they win that game, they go on to the championship game for the conference, they can move forward. They're playing uh, the Portland Pilots. This is in March. Portland, during this game, misses a shot. Loyola rebounds the ball. They're coming back down the court, and one of Hank's teammates just throws the ball up. It's called a lob. It's basically a pass where you're putting it near the hoop. And Hank goes up, catches it in midair, and does a fucking reverse dunk amazing highlight clip everyone loses their fucking minds and then their defense like the five guys that are on the court rather than just running back and waiting underneath the other team's basket they do a full court press where you like basically you know you're on top of the players before they can even inbound the ball so the other team's like fuck like we're getting destroyed now and now they're going to do full court press so they call a timeout they're like all right let's figure our shit out as they call a timeout the players are going to their benches and hank collapses He just falls down in the middle of the court. And it's just like what happened last night. There's no contact. There's nothing that you can see that initiated it. He just collapses and starts convulsing slightly. It lasts for about five seconds. And then he sits up. It looks like someone who had a seizure almost. And he sits up like he's okay. And by the time he sits up, his coach is actually at his side, like holding him. And his coach is like, dude, stay on the floor. We need to make sure you're okay. Hank tells his coach, quote, I don't want to lay down. That's what he says to him. I don't want to lay down. His coach tells him, take it easy. Just stay right here. So he lays back down first on his side. And then very quickly, he rolls onto his back and starts convulsing again. And then he just stops. And there's clips of this online. You can watch it if you want to. I will warn you, it is horrible (laughs) to watch. Yeah, it's pretty horrible to watch. It is hard because his parents come out on on the court and they're seeing what's happening to their kid. They get a stretcher onto the court within seconds. They carry him out. And when he gets to the local hospital, he's pronounced dead. Hank was 23 years old. Kid had like the world ahead of him. Like he was going to be an absolute superstar. Later, it is believed uh, after the fact that Hank stopped taking his medication on game days to ensure that he could play at a super high level, trying to make it to the NBA, trying to win. An autopsy does discover that he suffered from hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, which is a condition where his heart was becoming thickened for an unknown reason. They still don't really know why it was happening to him, and that's kind of the case with this particular condition. I think about this when I think about Damar, who collapsed yesterday, because I really hope they're able to identify the cause now 
And I hope and pray that he's able to live a long, happy life. And for some of these folks, it's hard to tell them, like, that means you have to stop. You have to stop playing. You know, plain and simple, your body can't take it. Hank never got told that. Hank got told, you can keep playing, just take this medicine. And he still didn't take it because he wanted to perform at that high level. But again, this amazing athlete, prime physical condition, and he just drops fucking dead, man. It's like horrifying. It's something that is very scary in a very, very real way. And I couldn't help but think of that last night. And I was like, I don't know who to talk to about this because not a lot of people like remember Hank and remember all this other shit. So I'm like, I'm going to educate people so they know his name and they know that this shit is real. And I know that this one's really hard to hear too. So I'm going to move on to some other stuff. And this stuff is all like kind of creepy. It's, it's this little theory that started to crop up online about uh, a curse, essentially. So there's tons of sports injuries that I could cover. I chose to only cover some of these because that's currently what's in the front of my mind. Um, so I, I'm going to cover this next batch of injuries. And first of all, like we talked about DeMar Hamlin. This happened in Cincinnati last night. This horrible injury occurred at Paycor Stadium, which is formerly known as Paul Brown Stadium. For people who are familiar with Cincinnati, Paul Brown Stadium is what it was called for a very long time. It's the home of the Cincinnati Bengals. It is not the only injury to happen there. Obviously, professional sports are going to have injuries, but there has been some really nasty fucking injuries there. And people who pay attention to these things have certainly started to notice. There's 32 stadiums in the NFL for the 32 teams, four of the most disturbing injuries in recent memory have all taken place at Paycor Stadium. So another one took place this year. The quarterback for the Miami Dolphins named Tua Tagovailoa had an injury earlier this year where it's actually really controversial and it was like the big topic of discussion. I, I remember like pe- neurologists were looking at <clears throat> what it looked like when he got hit and they were like, he has brain damage 100%. Yeah. So what happened with Tua is he had a concussion in an earlier game And he was sent back in, essentially. He should not have been sent back in. And then between games, he cleared concussion protocol, which just smelled of horse shit. It smelled like they wanted to put him back in. Tua's very young. Tua's also... He he had like three games in a row where he was just on fire. He is having the best year of his career. And he is also 24 years old, very young. So is Damar, for that matter. So these are all very young men. So... Tua goes back into these games, even though he's already had a concussion, which is very severe. You know, it's something that you need to be very careful with. This is like what the NFL is fucking known for now. Yeah. Because they don't take care of their players. Tua was the one everyone's like, he should not be playing in this fucking game. And he was playing at Paycor Stadium against the fucking Bengals in the game. Everyone's like, he shouldn't be in there. He gets sacked. His head bangs against the turf. He suffers another concussion. This clip is also online and is very hard to watch because you can immediately recognize he is in agonizing pain. His hands stretch out as if he's having a seizure where it's like if you stretch your hands as far as your fingers can go and his fingers literally stretch backwards because they're hyperextending as far as they possibly can. Now, the neurologist Robin's referring to has there's all these different neurologists online that are like, this is a sign that his brain has suffered a serious trauma. And he could have possible brain damage as a result of it. And it's substantially more dangerous than a normal concussion. Suffering a head injury when you already have a concussion puts you at severe risk for more significant injury. And I got to watch that one live on TV too. And after that, all these medical professionals that were talking about it are immediately urging Tua to retire at 24 years old, mid-season of the best season of his career. And it's like, 
That's how serious that injury was. And it happened at Cincinnati's home field. Again, the same fucking place. And there's another scary situation with a concussion that happened in 2016. It happened to a guy named Antonio Brown. If you know football, you know who that is. If you don't, that name might be familiar because he's fucking crazy now. He used to be normal. In 2016, he went across the field to catch a pass that was drastically overthrown. Immediately, everyone knew he wasn't going to catch it. He was running super fast. He jumped as high as he could. Ball was way too high. He's going to come down and land and slow down. But the defender hits him in the fucking head as hard as he can with his shoulder while he's not paying any attention, which is illegal, which he was fined for. And Antonio Brown is literally knocked out on the spot while his body is still in motion. His limbs go completely numb. He falls to the ground like a fucking ragdoll. And now, since he's recovered, he's completely different as a human being. He has bizarre behavior. He's always causing issues, talking shit about his teammates. He bounced from team to team to team, always getting cut, despite the fact that he's like an amazing talent. They're like, there's something wrong with this dude, and they just get rid of him. He went from the Patriots to the Raiders to unemployed because the Raiders cut him on like three weeks. Because he had issues every time he showed up somewhere else. He wound up in Tampa Bay where he played for a little bit before he essentially had an argument with his coach on the sidelines. Then decided to quit football in the middle of the game. Ran to the locker room. Walked into the end zone even though the, the game was still being played. Took off his shoulder pads. Took off his fucking jersey and threw it into the audience. That's how he quit. Didn't uh, Is Antonio Brown the one who did not want to upgrade his helmet to the yes. new helmet. He just didn't want to change helmets and he got cut from a team because of it. Now, while he's like unemployed and can't get a job anywhere because he's basically batshit crazy, he spends his time tweeting at Tom Brady and he tweets a bunch of pictures of him fucking chicks that look just like Giselle. What the fuck? Dude, like ew. it's fucking crazy shit, dude. Like he has gone crazy and it seems like it's because of what happened to him at that injury in Cincinnati at Paycor Stadium. The next year after that happened, that was 2016 and 2017, same field, same teams. Bengals versus Steelers again. It was a crossing route with a normal tackle, just like what happened last night. The difference is the guy that tackled him then is a guy named Ryan Shazier. He lowered his head, which you're not supposed to do. You're supposed to keep your head up to see your target when you hit it. And he wound up hitting the guy with the crown of his head at the top of his helmet. It like compresses your spine all the way down. It compressed his spine. He was paralyzed. He immediately rolled onto the ground. He knew something was wrong. He was pointing at his back and he tried to roll over. He could roll his top part over, his torso, and his legs just sort of dragged along. And it was very scary to watch. They had to take him out in an ambulance. It took him six months before he could take his first steps. He was never able to play another football game again. And it was just horrible to see. Like, if you say his name to people who know the NFL, you know exactly because he's the most recently paralyzed player from the NFL. And these have all taken place at Paul Brown or Paycor Stadium. It's the same place just with a different name. They're all on that field and they're all life-changing injuries. So there's this theory that's slowly taking more traction on like social media where you follow sports accounts where they're like that field is cursed. And that is something where I'm just like, I don't really believe it, but it is a hell of a fucking coincidence that these sort of keep happening at the same stadium. And that's the other thing only one of these is related to a dirty hit. The other three are 100% not related to anything that was illegal at all. It's it just, just, just happens odds, to be the place, yeah. man. And like two of them are horrific injuries. Like those two injuries are the two most horrific injuries in probably the last 20 years. They both happen in the same spot. So that's the stuff that's like creepy coincidence. I would never want to play there. <laughs> 
<laughs> I wouldn't either, dude. Fuck that. So, okay. I'm going to move on to the last thing I'm going to cover. So for anyone who is a fan of sports, and maybe even not fans of sports, but anyone who's been around for as long as I've been around for like 30, 40 years, if you hear the term sports injuries and you're basically familiar with sports injuries, there are a few names that come to mind like, oh yeah, I remember that one. And one of the most famous sports injuries belongs to a guy named Joe Theismann. I have talked about this, but I've never covered this in detail. I've mentioned that I would bring it up at some point. But Joe Theismann was the quarterback for the Washington Commanders, as they are now known. They were previously known under a hella offensive moniker, the Redskins. Thank God they fucking changed it. November 18th of 1985, Joe Theismann would face off against the New York Giants, their rivals within that division, and the New York Giants' super talented linebacker named Lawrence Taylor. He's in the Hall of Fame. He's one of the most famous football players ever. Lawrence Taylor was a fucking monster of a man. He completely changed how the NFL would view linebackers. Linebackers up to that point were only thought of as having a certain skill set. Lawrence Taylor came in and said, I can fucking do anything. I'm one of the strongest people you're ever going to meet. I will bowl over 300-pound linemen and crush the quarterback. That is what he did. And he could also do all the other shit like run with wide receivers because he was super fast. So, that said, (laughs) what winds up happening is in the second quarter of this game in 1985... The Washington team runs a flea flicker where you quarterback snaps the ball. They turn around, hand the ball off to the running back. Everyone's like, ah, shit, it's a run. Everyone compresses towards the line to tackle the running back. The running back will stop, throw the ball backwards to the quarterback, who then throws it forward. And all the defense are like, ah, shit, you got us. Like, we didn't cover our guys because we thought it was a run. That's the point of a flea flicker. They run this play. Lawrence Taylor is not convinced. He breaks through the line and he sacks Joe Theismann. He jumps on his back and basically, like, pushes him to the ground because he's very strong. And there are not rules against this yet. This would still be a legal hit today. It isn't illegal. He's just a monster. It's like if if someone were to hug you from behind and decide to push you to the ground while you're trying to stay standing, that's essentially what happens. But Lawrence Taylor is also a big dude, so he comes down on him with his weight. Taylor sacks Joe Theismann on the 40-yard line. And... It looks like a normal sack. Like, if you watch the clip, which you can find all over the internet, the announcers are like, ah, he gets to Theismann. All right, moving on to the next play. Oh, looks like Lawrence Taylor's waving frantically at the Washington bench. Lawrence Taylor was the first person, despite the fact he was on the other team, and it was his job to hit the quarterback. He He got up. He's like, get the fuck out here. (laughs) And so all the guys come out there. It is one of the most gruesome fucking sports injuries to see. Oh, ew, ew, ew. I just read forward. (laughs) read ahead in your script dude the players robin says she doesn't read ahead of my scripts and she just jinxed herself so the players who on the field who didn't see the injury said that they heard this man's leg break both the tibia and the fibula snapped and pierced through the skin the so gross technical term for that kind of break is fucking nasty (laughs) so lawrence taylor was obviously very concerned about the fact that his opponent was hurt they get out there. They get him off the field. The game ends 23-21. So Theismann's career is over. It's one of the most gruesome injuries you could see. 100% ended his career. He had repeated surgeries so he could retain the use of his leg. And after all was said and done, his right leg is shorter than his left leg. What? Oh, because that is how brutal shattered. of a fucking oh injury gosh. that was. It's how much damage he sustained. That is not the point of this story. I'm not trying to gross you out. This is the point of this story. This is something that's really weird. Okay, so Joe Theismann became a broadcaster after that for a while. 
And then you can still find him doing a bunch of stuff. He stays close to the game that he can no longer play, essentially. He's announced a ton of games. He gets brought back to Washington for celebrations and honor ceremonies and things like that. The anniversary of his injury is often mentioned in the NFL. So anytime that date comes up and there's a game being played, they mention like so many years ago today, Joe Theismann had his famous injury because it's so notorious. It's not celebrated. That would be a dick fucking move. It's just acknowledged. On the 33-year anniversary of his injury in 2018, Washington was playing. And it was very well known, hey, Joe Theismann had his leg broke 33 years ago today. Washington was playing at home the same way they were playing when Joe Theismann got his leg broke. They were playing the Houston Texans, a team that did not exist when this happened to Joe Theismann. Their quarterback, Alex Smith, dropped back to pass. Texans had a defensive lineman named J.J. Watt. Is this this year? No, this is not. This is 2018. Oh, okay, okay. You didn't say. You just said 33-year anniversary. I did say 2018, actually. (laughs) It's okay, though. But J.J. Watt, his entire career has been compared to a guy named Lawrence Taylor in the way that he is just absolutely dominant, a physical specimen, and can just bull people over. So he goes back, and then he sacks Alex Smith. He brings his weight down on him to get him to the ground. Completely legal tackle. Alex Smith gets sacked on the 40-yard line, the exact same spot Joe Theismann was sacked 33 years ago. His right tibia and his fibula are shattered and protrude through his skin in the exact same way the injury was suffered by Joe Theismann. It's fucking nasty. That specific injury hadn't happened to anyone before or after Joe Theismann. People have shattered their ankles. They have shattered their legs. They have had injuries very, very similar. Nothing like this. It happened in the same fucking yard line as it happened on the same fucking day to the same team. The final of the game was 23-21, to the same final as the game where Joe Theismann had his leg shattered 33 years earlier. It is a horrific parallel. It's like a ripple in time that seemed to echo forward and literally repeat itself to another person, which is absolutely brutal. I mean, what are the odds that it would be 33 same what i don't get that it's a repeat number oh i guess (laughs) it's just crazy but the the reason i chose this one for last because this topic is definitely heavy is because of the difference in the story of what happened so alex smith is told your recovery path is going to be brutal the injury is so severe we might need to amputate your leg like please keep that in mind he goes through a bunch of surgeries a couple of months removed from his injury his leg winds up having flesh-eating bacteria. And they tell him, like, we are probably going to have to amputate your leg to save your life. Because now this is life-threatening. He insists anything that can be done should be done to keep his leg, which increases his risk of dying. And after 19 surgeries, this dude somehow manages to hang on to his life and his leg. He needs to pay those doctors like a big old bonus. (laughs) You know he's paying those doctors. But he survives, he keeps his leg, he's able to walk, he works his ass off. And in 2020, two years later, he winds up back on the football field as a backup for Washington. And then they call him into play because their quarterback at the time is not doing well. He comes in, he's now the starter. He does significantly well. During the time he spends there, he sets a record, his personal best for most yards he's thrown in a game and most passing attempts he's thrown in a game. He winds up as the NFL comeback player 
for the year of 2020. Wow. He retires in 2021. <laughs> but I'm sure like 2020 was like, I can't do this anymore. Like I'm sure each game he got was so back painful. And he did it. And the, the thing that's most impressive about that is it's such a brutal, nasty, scary injury. The same thing that ended Joe Theismann's career. Alex Smith fucking decided in 2018, I refuse to let this end my career. I am getting back on the fucking field, even if it kills me. And literally is how that is taken because it could have killed him with the flesh eating bacteria. And he decides to retire in 2021 on his own terms. My, not because he got hurt. And that's fucking awesome. My question is, is his right leg shorter? I don't think so. But I, I don't know. I don't think anyone's measured it with a tape measure or so. This is all crazy shit that's happened in sports. It's all scary without a doubt. Sports can be very scary. Sports are very dangerous, without a doubt. When something happens like what happened yesterday, it is easy to say, I will never play again, or I will never let my kids play again, or I'll never let my kids play at all. Robin and I have already had that discussion of hypothetical children, whether or not we'll allow them to play specific sports based off of how dangerous they are. And I don't begrudge anyone who feels that way at all. But there is something to be said about a person who knows the risks and decides willingly that they're going to do the thing they love. It's not stupid. They're not Neanderthals. It is brave. It's because it's what they love to do. They're only going to have so much time to do it, and they're going to fucking risk it. It's just as brave for people to look at their life and their career and say, you know what? I'm going to stop now. Some of the best athletes in the game have decided, I'm not going to play anymore in the prime of their career. Barry Sanders did it. Andrew Luck did it. And at the end of this year, J.J. Watt is doing it. J.J. Watt. Some things are more important than sports, but it's up to them to decide. It's just another reason why I love to watch. When you watch football and they say, like, the storylines in this game, it sounds stupid to people who don't know, but the first game DeMar plays back on the field, if he decides to come back, for someone who doesn't know what happened, they're not going to know. But for everyone who knows what happened, like the day he steps foot back on the field, it's going to be a day filled with tears of joy for people. Or the day he decides to retire and just come out and say like, hey, I decided I'm not going to play anymore. Same thing. They're equally happy endings. I just hope he gets to have that. Yeah. So I wanted to go through some of those storylines with you folks so you understand kind of where I was when I saw that. And yeah, that, my spooky friends, is Sports Injuries. Nice. Got to see a little bit of what you're into. Yeah, indeed. And uh, kind of understand the why of it. I will also say <laughs> that this happened to a Buffalo Bills player in Cincinnati. I have never seen a more concerned crowd for an opposing player. There was no people pissed off or yelling like, get the game started. And it's like 60,000 people in that audience. They were all sincerely concerned. They were all outside that hospital with a prayer vigil for that dude. Wow. Like, it's very classy of the city of Cincinnati, and I don't, you know, really give shout outs to cities or anything, but <laughs> Cincinnati, you fucking do it right, and uh, I think the entire NFL world is pretty proud of you right now, and I think everyone should be, and uh, yeah, if you say prayers, pray for that kid, because we all hope he comes through, so yeah, that is uh, everything for my topic. Nice. I appreciated Thanks. that. I appreciate you. It's fascinating. The curse thing, fascinating. Yeah. Let's... uh. Stop playing games in that stadium, guys. Just get yeah. another fucking stadium. Just tear right down here. the stadium, build a new one. All right. So that said, again, it's January. It's Patreon. It's push. Let's do this, folks. Get over to patreon.com slash scarishpodcast. 
sign up for as little as a dollar. It's a recurring monthly subscription. It really helps us out, keeps the show going, keeps the show rolling. We would appreciate it. <laughs> if you don't like monthly subscriptions, we also have a coffee. Go to ko-fi.com slash scariest podcast. It's a one-time donation. You just put in how much you want to send us, comes to us. That's it. Quick and dirty. And it's done. We appreciate you. Wham, bam. <laughs> thank you, ma'am. It's awesome. Uh, I guess I'll do the story time thing. Uh, don't forget, we also are trying to build up our story time uh, collection so that we can have those episodes again. I know we did a couple uh, filler ones for this holiday season so you guys can get a taste of story time again. If you folks have paranormal, supernatural, uh, even coincidental, her- hilarious um, stories or true crime stories, things like that, please send them our way. Storytime at scariest.com. Uh, we could really use your stories. We love sharing them. People love hearing them. Uh, I know a lot of the spooky fans like, when's the next story time? We don't know. We need your stories. So everybody, if you uh, ask your family, friends, I'm sure they have experiences. You have experiences. Just send them to us. We would love to share it with everybody else. Indeed. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. It is January. We're going to try and do some extra stuff for you. Stay tuned to our social medias for the announcements. Uh, We would love to see you all at whatever we do next. And if it's the next topic episode, hey, we'll see you next week. So that's just about everything we got. Robin, do your thing. Sign us out. Keep on creeping on and we'll talk to you guys later. Bye-bye.